Hello and welcome to episode number 131 of the Air Giants podcast. I'm your host, Roger Munter, as always, uh, and I have another kind of from the stadium <laughs> segment today, uh, a couple of interviews that I got at the Diamond in Richmond last week. Uh, of course, my interviews from the Diamond are always a little bit noisier than uh, the normal sort of quote-unquote studio recorded uh, but bear with me, though. They're fun interviews, and I hope you'll enjoy them. Uh, first, I spoke with pitching coach uh, Paul Oseguera just about the performance of the staff as a whole and what, what kinds of things the, the Giants are looking for from their pitchers as they develop. Uh, and then I got to talk with Carter Aldretti, who's having a terrific season on his return to Richmond. Uh, we talked a little bit about you know returning to levels, what makes it easier when you come back to a level, what he's searching for in games, Um how he feels going out on the field, uh, you know, moving around defensively the way he does. A uh, really interesting conversation with Carter. Uh, he's just a very thoughtful, interesting guy. Uh, so we'll get to both those in a moment. First, I will say, as always, There Are Giants uh, is entirely supported by my website subscribers. Uh, we have no ads. Uh, so if you'd like to keep on getting more content about Giants prospects so that you're the one who knows who Ryan Walker is when he comes up, just go to theirgiants.com and sign up for a subscription. You'll get daily information uh, from all the affiliates. And with that, we're going to talk first with Richmond pitching coach Paul Oseguera, one-time pitching prospect in the system himself. Good to meet you. Yeah, thanks for taking some time no to, to chat. Uh, sometimes I need the big picture, and uh, just talking one one guy at a time doesn't quite get it. Yeah. No uh, so, I, you know... Paul, obviously, you guys have been in first place most of the year. That means you're probably doing some good pitching. Um, what, what from your perspective, is staff kind of doing well at the start of the year? What are you working on? What are you, what are you pleased to see out of out of the guys so far this year? I think overall, like the strike percentages from across the board have, for the most part, been pretty pretty high. Um, just the total strike percentage. So I think we're just doing a good job of challenging hitters. Um, this last week kind of skewed it uh, a little bit in the other direction. Um, but I think last night was a good example, like with Mason Black, of coming in and getting back to that uh, high strike zone for us as a staff. I thought uh, his sort of com- fastball command was was as good as I've seen in the games I've seen of him this year, um, and then really good explosive fastball at the top of the, the zone. Was was that one of the better games you've seen from him this year? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Like you know, him facing that heavy left-handed lineup. It was great to see him be able to use his fastball as much as he did, and, and to your point of being able to elevate it when needed to get some swing and miss. So he's got, uh, there's probably a lot of guys like this, he's got two really good pitches that he feels comfortable on. How do you do the balance of uh, letting the guy compete out there with the stuff that he feels comfortable throwing and also wanting to develop the full game? You haven't seen that much change up action out of him. How do you work the sort of, in-game competition with the wider per development for someone like him? Um, I mean, we got some like kind of general like usage percentages for the guys, mm-hmm. um, and so that kind of give us a little bit of a baseline of how, you know, those guys can attack hitters, um, but there's still that, like you said, like there's a bit of that, how do we develop this, where he's not running away from stuff that he needs to get better at, um, but at the same time, like, you know, being uh, you know, competing against a hitter in the game in that moment, so it's a, it's a constant communication both with him, but then also, more importantly, or equally as important would be the catcher and yeah, making yeah. sure that the catchers are are um, on board and understand what we're trying to do for the pitcher. So you have two guys out there in the game understanding what that uh, pitch call is supposed to look like. That's one thing that when I talk to the pitchers on this staff, or actually many of the staffs in the organization, I always hear them talk about uh, Patrick Bailey, that he was really, really good at 
pushing guys a little bit out of their comfort zone and say, trust me, yeah. trust me and do this. That's a real skill uh, that you got to have with that group. No, absolutely. Like for catchers, I mean, the pitcher-catcher relationship all comes down to communication and trust. Um, and Well, trust, but that starts with communication. So, you know, having a catcher at any point in time who's, who's confident in communicating to all the different types of uh, personalities, different types of, you know, whatever the pitch uh, arsenal that the guy has um, comes into play when uh, in game time. The, the changeup in particular, I was just writing this uh, in, in regard to like uh, Kyle Harrison, who's not here this week. Mm -hmm. um, but the changeup is, is, is a tricky one because you have to be confident in it to throw it. You have to throw it to get confidence. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just natural to kind of shy away from that pitch sometime, like, you know, just for all guys. I think just the change of, I mean, maybe recently, like some guys don't throw it as much as they used to. Like when, especially like in the 90s when you had Greg Maddox, early 2000s, Greg yeah. Maddox and Tom Glavin, some of those guys, Trevor Hoffman as a closer. Yeah. You had some big names that were using it a lot. Um, but I think, you know, people see like it's a huge weapon. It's a valuable pitch. Um, and to your point, like the more you throw it, the better you can get at it, you know. But at the same time, even if it's a low usage pitch, you want that pitcher to feel confident whether he's throwing it 5% of the time or 30% or of the time. 0 counts or 3-2 counts, that whatever that pitch is needed or that time, he's confident to execute it. I feel like I asked Pelf kind of the hitter version of the same question, but one thing I've noticed, uh, so last year's staff, lots and lots and lots of strikeouts, mm -hmm. lots of walks too. This year, I feel like both of those are coming down. Um, we're not seeing big strikeout totals, but we're seeing a lot of contact. Is that just a factor of who happens to be on the staff last year versus this year, or is this intentionality from your from your perspective? Um, I think it's just a little bit of the staff of, yeah. of who's here and just where they're at in um, in this part of the season. Um, I mean, getting Kyle Harrison later in the year, you know, he's a high strikeout guy, but he, you know, still working on his command overall, um, but just. Still challenge these guys like to force action early, be in zone, and you know use your defense. But I think the more consistent you can be in zone, you're going to get more chase, you know, out of zone later on. So it's just making sure we hammer those same points um, this season as well as we did last year. The other thing I think I saw last night from Mason is a pretty good mixture, and I've seen this with maybe Carson too. Pretty good mixture of the four seam and the two seam. Mm -hmm. um, People have written about that with kind of the big league club that this organization really likes uh, sinkers. You like attacking the zone, like putting balls into play. Um, how do you kind of help people feel that balance between those two pitches, which are really useful to have in combination, but sometimes you can get a little lost between them? Um, I think just like the usage versus uh, whether it's the left-handed or right-hander. You know, whether it's a forcing kind of typically, you know, if you're right-handed pitcher, you're going forcing primarily sometimes to the lefties and then two seamers to righties. Um, so kind of the, the handedness comes into play to kind of make that clear statement of what to do. But at the same time, it depends on the fastball quality, the forcing fastball quality and, you know, what they bring can kind of up the usage too, you know, whether it's lefty or righty as well. So it's really just the pitcher understanding, you know, what the two seam forcing, you know, how it plays in zone, where it plays in zone, and to the handedness. Yeah, and specific to uh, hitters too, as part of the. And yeah, and then it would be, the guy. Yep, it would be the, the reverse. 
another thing that we're seeing kind of organizationally this year, because there's a lot of starters in this organization right now, is, is a lot of piggyback work. Mm-hmm. How does that play out over the year? Like, what's the roadmap to get guys from that sort of three, four inning mark to start stretching out? Uh, when do you think that's going to happen? And how will that happen? I'm not sure when, um, but as far as like how or whatever, I'm not really sure. I just know like for us is just focusing all the pitchers, whether you're a starting pitcher or even a relief pitcher from top to bottom, just increase that strike rate at all all counts at all times. <laughs> that will always play and that will always get you more opportunities to pitch. Command the zone. Yep. That's the thing. Um, I'm going to ask you about technology a little bit. I know I come here early in the day and I'll see you running the bullpen sessions here. You have mm-hmm. the track man set mm-hmm. up. When you're doing running bullpens, what are you using the technology to see? Is it a, a maintenance thing? Is it a are you doing pitch design in bullpen sessions? Or what's the purpose between the machine and sort of your eyes? How do you, how do you weave those two things together? Well, kind of like you said, like between maintenance or pitch design, it's, it's kind of it's all the above. It depends on for that pitcher on what he his specific focus is for himself, but then also some focuses were taken away from the game or even some you know, future pitch design for, you know, you know, down the road. And so it could be a guy who's, you know, maybe all of his pitch shapes and everything is there checking out, you know, but he's kind of struggling being in zone. So we have that track man to even just create, hey, like this is a ball or a strike. Instead of visually just saying, you know, with our own eyes, saying, oh, that looked like a strike. No, we can kind of use that technology to kind of give us a little clearer picture if it's a strike. But as far as the pitch shapes, like if maybe the guy's losing a little depth on a breaking ball or, Maybe his fastball's cutting that it traditionally doesn't. We can kind of look at the whether it's the edutronic video to see how it's coming off the hand, um, and just use the track band to kind of show him, you know, that pitch is trending in how you normally throw it, or hey, we're kind of trending away from what you normally do. So you can say when you throw this X pitch the best, mm-hmm. it's got this kind of spin rate, or it's got this kind of movement on it. Yeah. So yeah, this kind of shape to it. The, you know, you're throwing it on, on top of it, like, hey, this is the part of the zone that it plays the best as well. So like, hey, great job today. You really, you know, your slider plays best when it's, you know, for example, you know, hey, like leverage count when you're or earlier on, like you leveraging that off-speed pitch down the zone, like you get ground balls and you get swing and miss. So we can just really hammer that in zone for you. Or it's like, hey, you're struggling to get it in zone all the time. We got to, like, let's use that track, man, to show you, like, when you're in the zone or not. I feel like one of the things, and this is probably the, the influence of social media, you know, see Pitching Ninja or whatever. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's least understood by fans is a guy can have a great pitch, but how frequently is he throwing that pitch at his best? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like how consistent do you get with it? That's a big part of the development process, right? Yep, consistency. All these guys from top to bottom, like, you can pull up their pitch shapes or velocities and whatever, but... You know, same thing for the hitters. All their, you know, skills that they have at the plate, you can easily match those guys with that raw talent to guys in the big leagues. But it's being consistent with it is the is the big separator. So just un- having them understand their plan and being able to execute it consistently, no matter the game situation. Because even at this level, you see guys with great stuff, but there's one or there's two non-competitive pitches in the advance, yeah. and that makes a big difference as you go up. Uh, you know, at higher levels. Absolutely. Like even just with the pitchers you have talked about, like we go back earlier in the conversation where we talked about just that in zone rate. Like how well yeah. can you be in zone? And then it's like, well, how well can you be in the zone? But then how well can you expand the zone? You know, can you pitch backwards sometimes? Like the, the game is going to call for so many different um, situations that you're going to have to be able to execute. But that all starts with being consistent from the start. So as you go through the season, as you're kind of working with guys in, in, in bullpens, 
to help them get that greater level of consistency is that is it mostly you know mechanical is it mental is it what part of the game do you find yourself working on most with pitchers over the course of the year to try and sort of you know help them and develop their games no oh, i think it's everything <laughs> i mean it's, it's even beyond the ones you even mentioned each guy can have different needs um it could be it could be part of the mental skills it could be you know working with our trainer it could be working with our strength and conditioner conditioning it could be even you know nutrition based like you know if the guys like you know, losing some some muscle mass. Yeah. Um, it can be them understanding their pitch plan and executing it. I um, mean, it's everything. It could be just their how they work with the catchers and communicating what they want. So it's 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 everything. It encompasses everything. There's no there's no cookie cutter way to develop a player. Each player de- uh, needs are different, and it's finding you know or not finding, but using all the resources that we that are provided to help that guy. Uh, and just returning to technology for a second, I know, you know, the traditional pitching coach, you're there, you're watching every pitch, mm-hmm. you're looking for, is the foot landing in the right place, mm-hmm. is the arm slot coming out the same? Do you use technology in-game at this point to help you, to help your eyes as you're looking for things that are either going right or wrong with the pitcher? Yeah, there could be some. There could be some, but not, not too much because, I mean, as far as, like, the mechanic stuff, I mean, they're in the moment. We, you, I don't like telling them too much, you know, mechanically what to do out uh-huh. there. It's you're, you're out there. you got to figure out a way what to work with. I mean, even, like, a simple thing of, like, hey, you don't, you, you're not guaranteed what type of mound you have, what type of weather. Right. You know, so there's some times where you got to figure out how to play with what you got that day. Or what kind of stadium. You or know, what you kind know. of stadium, Look the wind, the grass. I mean, there's all types Paul of other Luciano factors. hit last night. We've yeah. been out of a lot of places. Yeah, a little, little crosswind <laughs> knocked that sucker down. But, yeah, as far as that stuff, I mean, you can kind of, you know, you can use some things, but there's really not, there's not much. It's just they're out there and you're communicating with the catcher and what to do so let's talk a few specific guys um first off let me ask you who who's really impressed you uh on the staff this year who are you pleased with kind of what they're doing um i mean one guy is, uh, is kaiway tang yeah. I mean, he's been doing some um you know being challenged to with the fastball usage and he's been doing a great job and just understanding how to challenge hitters with all of his pitch types in zone um and so you've seen the the walks go down a lot which has been great to see. Um, Juan Sanchez is another guy for us out of the bullpen that's been doing a good job, um, both commanding the strike zone um, and pitching in some in some bigger spots for us um, in the late innings and having and being really successful. Um, I mean, Mason's been doing a fantastic job as well. You know, Seymour, you know, challenging hitters. He's still, you know, kind of developing a couple things with the off speed, but still making pitches and being aggressive with his fastball. So. No, I mean, that's, there's a lot of guys. <laughs> there's a lot of guys. Burgos as well. Oh, Burgos I mean, had quite a year. He's been doing, he's been doing fantastic and, and, you know, been pitching out of some jams for us. And Randy's really coming around as well. I, uh, I, I'm glad you brought up Tang because you, know, you don't see guys lead a league in strikeouts and get assigned back there this year. Obviously, he had some things to work out. He has so many different pitch shakes. Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, does that make it harder for him to, to kind of control the zone with all of them? Or? Um for me no so no no there. i don't and the reason why is because if you got them you got to figure out how to use them so if you got a lot of big shakes it's like well great you still have to put them in the zone you still have to be able to challenge the hitter so if you're able to check a lot of boxes on having you know great pitches that's all the more reason to be in zone with them and challenge hitters um if you're not, if you're not able to do that you're gonna you're gonna have a tough day whether it's the double a level or the big league level so 
and you know, he, like I said, he's been meeting that challenge really well this year of, of trying to force action early and and put his stuff to work against the hitters. Is it is it the fastball that's really the key for him? Is it is it getting in the zone with the fastball? That's yeah, that's been a key. I mean, he was able to do make some big improvement improvements with it last year, um, but I think it's just still him. Uh, being confident within all all different counts with it right now. You know, he, he's always confident with his breaking balls um, and his changeups, but it's still being confident with the with the fastballs as well. So it's kind of like I said, it's it's top to bottom for him to be confident in everything. Because if you want to be a big league pitcher, you gotta you gotta be confident to throw to throw what you're uh, decided on with confidence and and attack it. Uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought up Burgos, too, because he's a guy who caught my eye in spring, actually. Uh, he kind of comes from a funky angle, I feel like. He presents hitters with kind of a different look, and then he's got that changeup uh, that can be a really a difference maker. He's been kind of a revelation to me. No, yeah, he's got some. He's got a little funk to it, um, and that changeup, like you said, is, out, is an outstanding pitch. He's confident to throw it to lefties or righties, you know, no matter the count. Um, and his slider's coming around as well in the fastball. No, he's been doing some really cool things, and I'm looking forward to what he does uh, for us and hopefully at the next level. Yeah, and then uh, another guy who's only thrown a couple innings so far but is going in a couple days is, is Landon Roop. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he's got the big the big knockout curve, Yeah. Um, and he got set behind a little bit in spring and slow slow uh, uh, ramping up. Yeah. Uh, but what have you seen from him in the, the short time you've had him here? competitiveness I mean he, he, he has high expectations for himself and his command and he doesn't take any anytime he touches the baseball he doesn't take it lightly um, on his job to execute it which is great like whether he's playing catch play a light bullpen a full bullpen or in the game like that his uh, le- level of uh, focus and intensity is the exact same so and, he, and you see it with his with his execution the last few years like he he commands the strike zone he challenges hitters um, and he just you know he shot up to us last year really quick um, and so just his 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 level of focus is 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 awesome so a guy like that you know that no matter what he has that day you're going to have an opportunity to win a ball game uh, and since he's standing right in front of us I'll, I'll ask you about uh, Murphy too um, one of the things about the piggybacking is you ask guys to kind of change roles. So sometimes he, he started, he's come out of the bullpen. Um, is it is it harder for guys who are used to starting to prepare for that piggyback role, or what do you try to do to help them um, get into that game the same as they would if they yeah. were coming in the first? I mean, I try to explain to them, like, you know, give them some, you know, communicate to them early that that's what's going to ha- be happening so they can already start that process earlier. Um, but then just kind of ask them, like, hey, what can we do to support you in this in this role change for the day? Um, and try to work, uh, try to create ways that we can maintain their normal routine. Um, but then at the end of it, just tell them, like, hey, it's, it's no different than when you're coming out the regular game. Your, your job is to get hitters out. So, you know, you warm up and you sit in the duck. You, at the start, you, you know, you go out there, but after the anthem, but after that, the whole game's the exact same. It's, it's second, third inning. You you get hot and you sat down. So <laughs> it's going to be the same thing as a piggyback. I know starters take a little longer to warm up now, usually than than relievers. Uh-huh. Is that true when they're when when they're doing the tandem thing too, where they they're still going to be out there for three innings usually? Yeah. Are they going through their full starter warm up on those uh, days? Yeah, they're able to play like you know before the game, depending on when that piggyback might happen. They come out here and do their kind of their regular catch play routine. Um, but like I said, there might be a few adjustments that they have to make. But ultimately, like I said, like after that first inning, 
it's the same baseball game for everybody. After three outs, you go sit down, you wait till you <laughs> the next three outs to go back to work. Well, it's been a pretty fun year so far. We're, it seems like we're losing a lot of guys on the hitting side, but you've, you've been lucky so far. You, you're keeping your guys together. Uh, are, are you uh, are you prepared for some of these guys to, to leave you in, uh, as the summer goes on? That's the goal. The goal is to have those guys keep getting better and better and develop more and more so they earn that spot to go get the next test at the AAA or, we know, big league level. That's the dream that they all have, and it's our job as a staff, you know, hitters and pitchers. Uh, you know, or position players and pitchers to get them to get them better as the year goes on, so they're ready for that next challenge. Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate you taking some time with me, uh, and, and you know, good luck on the homestand. Good luck uh, the rest of the year. Awesome. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, Paul. You're welcome. And that was Richmond pitching coach Paul Segarra. Um, I think he he made pretty clear what the Giants are looking for in their pitching prospects uh, and hitting prospects. Really, controlling the strike zone is the primary thing they're looking for in order to advance people. Um, I know some people have had questions about you know, why the why the prospects aren't pitching more innings. They've been pretty careful holding them at four innings, 65, 70, 75 pitches. Uh, they're really looking for people to be more efficient, more economical with their pitches uh, in order to go deeper in games. They want to control the strike zone, and they're, they're um, viewing prospects through that lens uh, on both sides of the ball up and down the system. Uh, and that's something that comes up in my next conversation with Carter Aldrete, too. I mean, controlling the zone is a big part of what he's trying to do uh, as he seeks to, to work his way out of the Eastern League and to higher levels. So let's have a chat with Carter Aldrete next. Carter, uh, I want to talk first a little bit about your defense, because I've been, you know, you've been really impressive. I mean, the whole infield's been impressive, but when you're moving around the way you do, it seems like, like how do you get, like, a little groove going uh, at, at one position, or how hard is it to kind of, like, focus on all the different places you play? I would say it's just more anticipation when I'm playing third base. Uh, I just like to be athletic and trust my instincts, and... Uh, Kind of the same thing in the outfield, you know. We do a good job positioning, and they have us in the right spots at the right time. Um, but third base, I mean, I've played there a lot in my career. I've played a lot of baseball, believe it or not. So it's uh, <laughs> it's not as hard as people may think, but, you know, it's just all about preparation and anticipation over at third base, and I just try to do my best at being ready on every pitch. Do you have, like, a home position, like, in your in your harder head, or it's like, whatever, I just I just like to play baseball? Um, it's funny you ask that because over the years I've always, you know, had a distinct position in my mind. And now I think it's more beneficial for me to not know where I'm playing every day just because the mental side of baseball is so hard that, you know, if you're not swinging the bat well one day and you're not playing the same position all the time, you know, you kind of have different things to focus on. And for me, showing up to the field, obviously I know where I'm playing the day of, but, you know, day-to-day when you're playing different positions it helps me out mentally just because it it hires my focus showing up to the field so I'm thankful that I get to play everywhere and if I got to pick one position I don't know what I would say anymore I used to say second base shortstop now you know what I just like to play you haven't played any second base this year right not at all so well I asked I was talking to Pelf about this uh the other day and he said what he tries to do to kind of like help people get a little of that rhythm going is he'll play you back-to-back games at one position before moving. Um, first, is that true? And, and, and does that help you kind of like get in the groove before you're moving on? Or? Absolutely. Um, Pelfrey's 
I think, one of the best managers I've ever played for. Um, I think everyone can agree with me on that. We all love Pelf. He does a great job of letting you know when you're playing, where you're playing. Um, and he does a great job of, like you said, playing back-to-back days at certain positions so you don't feel like you're not in rhythm anywhere. But um, he does a great job of moving me around and using me throughout the field and throughout positions. So I'm thankful to have him as a coach because you can really feel like he's uh, he's pulling for you and putting you in the best position to succeed. I, I was talking not too long ago to uh, Josh Norris, who works for Baseball America. Yeah. <laughs> Baseball America, every year they do that tools list of theirs where they call all the managers in the league and, you know, get best this and best that. And he, he told me last year in the Northwest League, there were only two names that were mentioned by anybody in the league for best defensive third base. One was, of course, Casey, and the other was you. Uh, so I, I think Casey gets so much published for, his, for how good he is that, right. that maybe uh, people will sleep on how good you are, you know, uh, picking it. Right. Um, you know, just to be, you know, Mentioned in the same conversation as Casey Schmidt is is definitely an honor because he is a fantastic third baseman. Um, I'd like to say I give him a run for his money every every time we step on the field. You know we're competitive and he was a great teammate and it's it's awesome to see what he's doing in the big leagues right now and I hope I'm his teammate soon. Yeah, does that give you like inspirations? Like I was just playing with this guy last year. I can be playing with him next year. Oh, absolutely. And you know that's the ultimate goal and. Schmitty knows that, and we had a great time playing with each other last year. And like I said, hopefully we're teammates again soon. But you know, to see his success, I got nothing but love for Schmitty, and I hope he has a great big league career, which he's already on track for. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Pelf said, and actually Will Clark said this about you uh, when I talked to him last year, that he thinks of you as like a sneaky big leaguer. Um, you have some stuff to figure out, but you're gonna like you're gonna keep going and move your way up. Um, when you hear that, like, what is the what are the things you're trying to figure out? What is the figuring out process that kind of gets you up level by level? I think it's just consistency, just like everyone else in this game. I mean, there's not a player. I mean, I shouldn't say that. There's a lot of players in this Eastern League that have all the ability to play in the big leagues, and I'm sure that's a known statement around the league, but it's just a matter of how how often are you good and how how good are you when you're bad. And uh, that's kind of the separator, and I think I've done a, a good job of that in my career of to not let my lows get too low and my highs get too high and just try to stay consistent just every day showing up to the field, trying to get better and trying to work on the things that I need to work on. And I think if I do that, everything else will take care of itself. That's actually an old Willie Mays saying that like everybody in this game could be great for a night yeah but the great players are good every day basically yep. absolutely so I, last year you go back to the northwest league and you obviously you've been working with the guys all winter and it really paid off you had a big you know huge two-thirds of the season there came up here there were adjustments to make um what for your eyes what is the difference in that move from you know the northwest league uh, coming up here to the, the Eastern League, Pelf said one thing is it's just, like, it's so much bigger. You're seeing so many different people here, whereas the Northwest League's kind of insular. You're seeing the same people all the time. But to you, like, what's the what was the difficulty in that adjustment coming up here kind of midseason? Um, I would say the biggest difference is, like Pelf said, the fields are way bigger. There's way less hits because things get caught 380 feet out now. Yeah. Um, you're on the different part of the country. There's a lot more, like, weather is a big 
big difference. There's a lot more wind. Um, but the biggest thing is, is guys are just more polished. You know, in in low A, there's you're looking for two pitches. Now you have to look for five, and you really have to command the zone, and you really have to control the zone as a hitter. And consistency is everything, and that's just the word that we always come back to as baseball players, and that's why we play 142 games, because there's a big sample size, and you have to be consistent over that time, so we're all just working towards that every day. Commanding the zone is obviously something that's important in this organization. You hear it said all the time. What does that phrase mean to you, you know, when you're at the plate? What is commanding the zone, like, tangibly uh, for you? To me, it just means don't help the pitcher out. I mean, these guys are so good on the mound nowadays. I mean, everyone's throwing 100 miles an hour with God knows what else. Um, and if you just don't help them out, they're not as good as they come off to be as if, if you just swing at strikes and only swing when it's over the over the plate. And if you don't do that, you struggle. And obviously, we all chase pitches. We all you know expand the zone here and there. But the guys that don't expand the zone often are usually more consistent and better players, and that's what I'm working towards every day. When you so when you go off uh, in the winter, this winter, uh, you know this winter was different from the last winter because you had some success, you had a base of success, uh, and then the the end of the year was a little more difficult here. Um, the other I, the other thing I talked about with Pelf was you know we see guys come up here for a little bit in midseason, have some struggles, and come back the next year and kind of succeed. And he's like they you know it's like a video game. You spend all winter like practicing to defeat this level yeah. what was that what were you doing in the winter to kind of like come back here play up to this level and kind of master this competition here i wouldn't say anything changed for me i still go about my business the same i still you know have to make sure my body's healthy my mind's healthy and everything's in preparation for the season um, experience is definitely a big factor in this league it's more so mentally than anything because at the lower levels you can get away with, you know, physically just being better than people or just out, you know, whatever it is at the lower levels. But in this league, I mean, it's it's a tough league and baseball is really hard to play in this league. And if you can get through it mentally, I think that'll give you the best chance of success. And success in this league doesn't doesn't usually look like success in other leagues success in this league i watched anthony volpe last year hit 247 in this league yeah and he was the best player i've ever seen hitting 240 247 250 whatever he was hitting and if you could mentally approach the game saying you know i don't have to go out and hit 350 with 35 homers like that's if you do that in this league obviously i mean that's amazing this is a very tough league to play in and you have to mentally grind out at bats and days at a time just to get by until you start to really play well and hopefully, you know, consistent enough over the season to get out of here and move on. Were you here in the Somerset series? Uh, I was here. It was amazing, that series. He was a great, great baseball player. It was fun to watch, and he was, he was a great guy, too. I got to talk to him, and his success is not surprising, to say yeah. the least. It's really, I mean, it shows you kind of what this game is all about. Watch, like, the three guys who really caught my eye last year, Volpe, um, Gunner, and Ezekiel Tobar, who was really amazing. And they all, you know, they're having their adjustment period. They're all struggling because it is a really, really hard game, even, even when you're great here. How do you, so you're talking about mentally. What do you do to kind of, like, keep your positivity, keep your, you know, the good mind frame, 
I mean, you watch guys sometimes, they'll get into tough stretches in season and start to wear it uh, a little bit just sort of physically on them. How do you keep yourself in a good mind frame uh, no matter what's going on on the field? I think for me it's just you have to realize that this is a game and this is a really hard game. And I've seen the best players I've ever played with be down in the dumps so bad that where you thought, you know, this is a great player. I've never seen anyone better than this player, and they think they can't get a hit right now. <laughs> so, you know, you kind of just have to have a little perspective on, you know, this is a game. It doesn't really define who we are as people for as much as we think it does. Um, it is a game, but in the big scheme of life, like, you just got to enjoy life and enjoy your teammates and enjoy the moments that you get to spend playing this game because it's not going to be here forever. I mean, very few people in this game ever get to stop playing when they want to. So in my eyes, I just like to take it day by day and try to enjoy it. And, you know, every at-bat, every game is an opportunity instead of, a, you know, something that you shy away from. Obviously, your career kind of like most everyone today – uh, stretches over the pandemic, that year where nobody got to play. Was that a year where you're like, man, it can really go away fast? Yeah, I think, I think COVID, the COVID year, it put a lot of people, it set a lot of people back. And I was luckily, lucky enough to, to not be set back as bad as other people. Um, but I think it was just a good time to, to reflect as, you know, as a, as a human race yeah. to just say, you know what, like, our health and our life is important, and a game's just a game. And I'm glad that the MLB and the NFL and the NBA and everyone involved in sports kind of took it that way too because, like I said before, I mean, it's just a game, man. And we have to really take a step back and realize that, you know, we're not going to be here forever, so enjoy it while we are here and just take a positive attitude every day. It's, it's fun, right? It's something we do because we love it. Yeah. The, the other thing Pell said to me that I thought was really interesting is he encourages you guys to almost think of the game as you're an actor playing a role. And when you walk off the field, you know, it's like walking off the stage at the end of the night. It's not who you were. It was the thing you did. Absolutely. It, is that something that, like, makes sense to you when you're out there on the field? You know, I, growing up, I used to think about playing all sports like that. Like, I'm an entertainer. I'm going out there. I can be whoever I want to be on the field. And I think that's why a lot of athletes love sports. And Pelf is the first coach to ever phrase it like that. And I remember the first time he told me, I was like, wow, I really like this dude because he, he's understanding what's going on. Like, he knows the game is just a game and what's going to happen is going to happen. So you got to go out there and you put your best foot forward and you could, you could be whoever you want on the field. And a lot of the times we wear it on our sleeves and we, you know, we take the game home. But it makes the game a game when you when you just play it hard for the three hours that you're on the field. And being that artist or being that entertainer for that time is it's it's fun. And it's a lot of fun when you can turn it on and off, too. Yeah, I mean, like, when we're kids, it's like kind of playing against uh, your... I had brothers, so you're playing against your brother. Maybe you played against your sister, I don't yeah. know. And, yeah, and you go as hard as you can, and you compete with everything, and you love it, and then you go have dinner. And then you go have dinner, <laughs> and then you got to go to school the next day, and then you do it all again. That's right. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's been really entertaining watching you. Uh, you know, I think I can see you kind of, like, growing out there. It's, it's been a good year for you, and I, I hope that it just keeps on, keeps on rolling for you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for taking some time, Carter. And that is it for episode number 131 of their Giants podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that one. I, I really found uh, Carter Aldretti uh, particularly engaging and uh, and thoughtful about 
his role in the game. And, and so I really had fun with that, and I hope you did too. And I will be back again next week with more Giants prospect-related interviews on their Giants podcast. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week.